All right, guys, it's Tropical Talk Radio here with my good friends Dave and Carrie from Greenback Tax Services. It's the Friday night podcast. Grab yourself a coconut, a sparkling water, or your beverage of choice, and let's get started. Yeah, buddy, you've downloaded Tropical Talk Radio, where we talk about all things entrepreneurship, travel, and lifestyle. If you're interested in more about this program, check out tropicalmba.com. And if you sign up for our mailing list, I will personally send you 50 free podcast episodes that take you along on our journey and expose the insider story on how we started a million-dollar, honest-to-goodness product business while we traveled the globe. Carrie, why don't you introduce yourself? Because I don't think the uh, you are sort of the the magic behind Greenback Tax Services. Let us know a little bit about what you do for the company. My background is in marketing and general management, so I do sort of all the non-tax related things for Greenback. So um, I make sure that uh, the customer experience is is really solid, and I make sure that people know about us. So I'm responsible for all the all the marketing per se. And what's the scope of your organization right now? Because I sort of kick around like numbers but you know what what do you got how many people do you have working for you or how many countries are you in or what's let me know like where are you guys living what's what's the company look like I think it's about 22 people now yeah about that 22 people and we're we're always in growth mode so we're always in hiring mode so I think we've got five open postings on our website plus we're looking to hire um, a handful of accountants over the next couple months as well um, we've got clients in 88 countries um, and counting so hopefully you know, by the end of this particular tax season, we should get up get up there a little bit more as well. If you're listening from Africa, give us a shout, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and to be clear, your services are for American expats. So if you need help with your tax returns, that's your specialty. Why don't you help business owners yet? Is that something that's on your roadmap? Well, we do help business owners. You know, if you've got a foreign corporation, you need to report that to the IRS, we can do that. Uh, if you're a digital nomad with a LLC or a corporation or something like that, we can file your taxes for that. And uh, we're in the process of putting together a bookkeeping service. We're sort of trying that out at the moment. Anybody who's got a basic flow through based in the United States, you can help them file their taxes as well for that entity. Yes. And, you know, one of the reasons that we haven't grown as quickly, we haven't done any marketing around small businesses per se, because there just are so many um, individuals that are looking for help. I mean, it's just been one of those... Yeah. You kind of think, okay, well, you know, as soon as we sort of tap in out of, of having individuals that are looking for help, we'll start talking to, to small businesses as well. But our accountants have been so busy from an individual perspective that um, we're, we're trying to right. keep up with the hiring more than anything. Yeah. So you guys are the co-founders of this amazing company, but you actually are employed by two young men named Tim and Jake, right? <laughs> so that's... That's the reason why um, we're having this podcast is because a lot of the listeners of Tropical Talk Radio have families and they want to know what kind of value or adventure they can get by moving to many of these locations that you guys have visited because you're quite well traveled at this point. But I'm a little curious as to, you know, you have 22 employees. Is it stressful for you guys to run this whole thing virtually? I'm, I'm assuming they're all spread out all around the world and you're just working out of home every day. How does that happen? I, I personally don't think that it's any more stressful than if you were sitting in an office with all of them. I think you, you need different employees. So you need a completely different skill set of people because you need people who are self-motivated, who get themselves up in the morning and want to get to work. Um, you know, we, we try not to hire anyone where you need to look over their shoulder to make sure they're doing a good job. And I think that's been the success for managing people virtually. When we, when we first started out, we had a few people that 
um, were probably just a bit less experienced and needed some of that day to day. You know, what are you doing now? What are you going to do next? <laughs> you know, yeah. and that that was a massive, massive failure. We spent all our time managing them. I got a question uh, from reader Brandon Ellis from localmaverick.com, and I just wanted to play his question over the air really quick, uh, and then we can address some of those issues. This is Brandon Ellis with localmaverick.com. I've got a wife and two boys, and we are thinking about making the move uh, possibly to the Philippines within the next year, uh, as well as we're looking at like Ecuador and uh, Nicaragua. So I was asking, do you have any type of resources or information about how we can go from the idea to actually making the move and making things happen and the steps to take to get there? So guys, there's two parts to Brandon's question. One is that he's asking about a lot of specific locations um, like the Philippines, like Thailand, uh, like Panama. And we're going to get to to that. But first, I want to take the listeners back to when you got started um, what was the moment when you decided to take your young family on the road? And what were the sort of fears that you were facing in that moment? I think for us, it was actually slightly different in the sense that we didn't have a family yet. And we we felt like we had to start our own business and, and kind of go off on our own in order to to have the family experience that we wanted. We were both working long hours in big banks, wanted to be starting a business on our own, and also um, while we really liked London, we, we didn't like the idea that we had to be tied to this one place all the time. So so for us, it, it happened at the same time. Literally, I think we actually decided for sure we were going to start the business within you know days of finding out that we were pregnant and had the business up and running and, and set up within you know weeks before I gave birth. So it was all it all happened at the same time. <laughs> I remember the conversation with my father telling him uh, that I had just received a voluntary redundancy package from the bank I was working at. His response was, geez, I always figured as long as I had a job, the family would be okay. What's your thinking? (laughs) I love that. That's very Tropical Talk Radio that you would be excited. A voluntary redundancy package is a fantastic euphemism. Well, I'm excited. Do you feel like, um, were you, did you have fears about your children having this radically different experience from your childhood, like in my childhood, I valued maybe going to the same high school or going to a good high school. And then do you feel like, well, you've mucked that up for your children forever and they'll never recapture that? Or is that a fear that you had? No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) What I worried about is that they were going to get sick in some foreign country and I wouldn't know what to do. That was the kind of thing that I worried about. But I felt like the like adventure part of things of seeing all these different countries and meeting all these different people, that was all a plus. That was what, kind of what we were aiming towards. And very similar to what I had in my childhood because I grew up um, in Mexico, Mexico City. And so I, I kind of experienced living in a few different places and, and knew that it worked well with from a kid perspective. I didn't hate my parents for it. In fact, I was grateful. <laughs> One thing you have to remember about kids is that they don't have any preconceived ideas of what their life should be like. You know, your parents do, but your kids don't. So, right. you know, you take Timmy, who at the age of three can speak a little bit of Portuguese. He can speak a whole lot of Spanish. He can speak a whole lot of English. And, you know, for him, getting on a plane is just one of the things he does. That's part of his life. Moving to new places is one of the things he does. And he doesn't think about it as, that's so weird that I've been to Bali. He thinks of it as, you know, when I'm in Bali, I get to eat chicken satay and I like chicken satay. And I think, you know, the other thing for, um, you know, for him is that 
this kind of association of a home very much is tied to us as opposed to tied to a particular place. So he, you know, you ask him where home is and he, he doesn't really answer the question. He sort of says something about, well, mommy and daddy and Jake, or he talks about his family, but he doesn't, he doesn't have that same kind of, you know, I need to be in my bed for my nap every day in this particular place. He just doesn't, he never grew up with that. He doesn't need it. He doesn't have it. Now, I, I would be scared about the healthcare issue too. So when you guys are looking into a new location to move to, say when you were coming to Bali for the first time, how do you evaluate the healthcare options? And then how do you sort of put the infrastructure in place so that you can utilize it uh, in terms of insurance or savings? Or how do you deal with that? Well, we have an um, international insurance plan, which is through a company called Integra Global. And so I, I think we've definitely overpaid for that. It's about $4,000, $5,000 a year. Yeah, it's about five grand now with Jake. Five grand now with Jake. And what that does is gives us total <clears throat> peace of mind. So we can, fl- you know, we can fly into anywhere and get, apart from the U.S., <laughs> anywhere apart from the U.S. and get covered for healthcare. Does that mean that you could have like a heart surgery or something like that? Or Yeah. And it could be anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world. Except the U.S. and Canada. Are there plans that are like that at lower price points? Like would digital or what is that, nomads, world nomads work for a family? Or are you aware of anything like that? Well, we checked it out for the D.C. a while back. And, you know, you could get uh, like if you're a single guy, I think the premium would be like 1300 bucks a year. There are different um, deductibles. So if you were comfortable choosing a much higher deductible, you could essentially have one of these policies that covers you only if something really, really terrible happens. And, you know, up, you know, you maybe spend a couple thousand dollars out of pocket on your own. But when you look into the detail behind that with the amount of just regular healthy kid checkups that kids need to have, it, it sometimes doesn't make sense because you're ending up, you actually do dig into that deductible in a way that you don't as a, someone in your 20s, 30s who goes to the doctor once every couple years if you need to kind of thing. Right. When they, when they bring in an ambulance. A lot of people say, well, you don't really need to have comprehensive coverage because you can get a leg set for 500 bucks in Thailand. Do you feel like that's the case or do you think it still makes sense to have the total coverage? Well, for us, we wanted the flexibility of being able to travel when and where we wanted to and know that we would have really good insurance. Uh, so that's, you know, for us, paying that five grand a year is for peace of mind. You know, when you're on the ground, like we know people here in Argentina who they're paying a hundred bucks a month uh, for very good medical care, including things like diabetes drugs and all this kind of stuff, which, you know, in the U.S. would probably cost you 15 grand a year. Because there is such good health care outside of the U.S. and because it's much more affordable than it is inside the U.S., you know, a lot of people choose to just go locally. But you have to be willing to stay in one place for a longer period of time if you're doing that. So, for example, for us this year, we'll be in um, Brazil, we'll be in Bali, we'll be in Argentina, you know, we'll be in Nicaragua. And the, it's just impractical for us to go and get local healthcare coverage in each of those places. That's a great, that's a great point worth underlining that, um, especially for Americans who are jaded by this whole thing. If you were to, say, move to the Philippines for a year, you could get an excellent local coverage plan for very cheap and go to great hospitals. So something to think about there. One of the things that a lot of people have been asking me about is what to bring. Um, and the idea is that families tend to accumulate a lot of stuff. Kids sort of require all these gizmos and gadgets, and and people are want to know what do you guys own? 
Are you these minimalist backpackers? Uh, how, do, how do you handle your stuff? It totally depends on the age of the kids, I think. Yeah. So with, with little guys, little, little guys, I, we felt more comfortable buying a lot of things in the U.S. and then actually bringing them with us, which basically has just meant that Dave and I used to have a, a bag each, essentially. And um, now we have like a quarter of a bag because we've got baby stuff and the rest of it. <laughs> um, there are things that are, are much more practical to get in the U.S. and bring with you, um, like health, you know, from a health perspective. So a lot of toys that are made outside of the U.S. Ha- still have kind of things like lead or um, plastic that isn't safe for kids to be chewing on. So we tend to bring a lot of that kind of stuff with us. Okay. We don't bring a ton, a ton of toys. I think that kids can can have fun, you know, doing a lot of, you know, going to the park and playing instead of sitting in front of 10 different gadgets or gizmos. Yeah, a bucket and a shovel. Yeah, if you're living somewhere like Bali or the Philippines or yeah, anywhere near a beach, a bucket and a shovel uh, will keep your kids entertained for a good five years. It goes a long way. You know, I, I'm a kid too. Uh, you guys surely know that. And I, I went to a movie the other night and it was, I realized it was like the first time I had gone to a movie in a year. And then I was watching this video game commercial on YouTube, and I was thinking, I guess people play video games. <laughs> and I was just thinking, like, there's just so much to do when you go on these adventures, and, and part of the fun of it is figuring all this stuff out that, that we're talking about now, I guess. Do you guys have, like, a storage facility or a home back in America? Do you have any sort of baseline amount of stuff, and what do you do with that? We've got some runoff stuff from when uh, we were living in London, so... Uh, my parents' garage, we've got like a wardrobe. I've got probably 15 suits in there and 30 Brooks Brothers button-down <laughs> shirts that will probably be there till the day I die. Yeah, but that's really all we have. We, didn't, we don't have a for- storage facility, and the only stuff that we didn't get rid of that we don't take with us are <clears> things that we needed for kind of corporate jobs that were just, to be honest, too expensive to sort of the idea of spending – thousands of dollars on suits and then throwing them all away we just couldn't do but if it came to needing to buy a storage facility we just get rid of them it's just been practical to keep them in your parents garage one of the things that a lot of parents talk about when they move especially a lot of the locations we're going to highlight are south america and asia one of the most famous things is getting people to help you raise your kids what's your experience been like with having things like babysitters and nannies and things like that and what is your approach to it i think you want to find a place that can help you get rid of all the nonsense in your life. And that's true whether you have kids or whether you're an entrepreneur, you know, really for anyone. But essentially what we try to do is outsource everything that's not work or child related. So we don't go to the grocery store. We don't go to the bank and wait online to pay our bills. We try to cook as little as um, possible, which suits us well because we don't like cooking anyway. (laughs) Um, You know, all of those kind of things. If you, you just need to make sure that you are really disciplined about not doing any of that kind of stuff so that any time that you've got, you can spend with your kids and spend working. Um, We also have had really good success, I think, in terms of finding babysitters that are usually Americans or or Europeans who are living abroad, especially here in Argentina, as opposed to necessarily local folks, because sometimes with the the language and and the culture, it just ends up being easier to kind of bring someone into the fold that that understands what it is you'd be looking for and and can kind of just immediately hit the ground running rather than spending a lot of time explaining, you know, how things would work in, in your in your culture and what you're used to. And it's kind of interesting. If you go to a place like Buenos Aires where there's a lot of Americans, you can get people that would have a lot of the qualifications that you would expect them to have if you were in the States. So, you know, like our Timmy's babysitter here, 
Uh, she's college educated. She's got you know the Red Cross uh, certificate for CPR and all that kind of stuff for babysitting. Uh, we were able to check references with people in the U.S. to make sure she was qualified for Jake's babysitter here. We have this really nice uh, lady from Holland who's got two master's degrees. The most overqualified nanny of all time. You know, we feel like the kids are in very good hands. In Bali, it was a little bit different because we were able to hire some of the teachers from Timmy's school to help babysit them when the school was closed or at night. You guys seem to, you sort of have these positive, breezy attitudes, but a lot of people will maybe read my blog or podcast and say, you know, they totally write me off as they should. You're a young white dude running around, running his mouth. Um, This doesn't really work for real people that have families. What, how do you guys interpret that when you hear people say stuff like that? Do you think they're onto something or do you think that they're just not seeing it? I think you have to really, really want it. So you have, I mean, it's because <laughs> it's hard. It's absolutely hard. It's just this constant juggling act. Um, and so, you know, if it's, if you're not somebody who really loves the idea of seeing all of these other places and experiencing different cultures and really loves the idea of growing a business, then then this won't work for you because it is. It's much harder. Let's put this uh, conversation into, into the context of some of the places that you guys have experience with. So um, let's just do it real quick and easy, run through a bunch of countries and maybe talk a little bit about pros and cons. And uh, we'll always talk about maybe what the baseline budget would be in certain countries, certain cities, and what a good value budget would be. Because some people are looking to maybe just get more bang for their buck and outsource their kids, you know, outsource the child rearing. Um, some parents might be looking to uh, have an adventure. Others might be looking to baseline their expenses. So let's start off with Brazil, um, a place that you guys are going on vacation very soon. The rumor out of Brazil, um, aside from it being a little dicey in certain neighborhoods, is that it's very expensive. What's been your experience there and, and how much would it cost for somebody to, to raise a family in Brazil? I think Brazil has two elements that you, you kind of need to put together to come up with a story for families. One is that it is dangerous in a lot of areas, so you have to live in some of the more expensive areas, and the expensive areas are really expensive. So um, I think from a practicality perspective, we, we love Brazil, we love Rio, but you know, you, you really wouldn't, your money wouldn't take you very far. So you're probably looking at spending, what, $3,000, $4,000 a month for an apartment there. Yeah. Um, that's not a Whoa. luxury biggest apartment overlooking the beach apartment. That's just a, you know, what you'd need for kind of a family of four type thing. Um, I was going to say the healthcare is good, but it's highly, highly medicated and it's expensive. I read at one point that the healthcare there was, um, to have a baby in Brazil was actually more expensive than to have a baby in the U S I think Brazil, while it's a, a fabulous place to live, I think it, it ends up being a bit impractical if you're looking for value for money. But, uh, uh, the one thing I'll add to that is Brazil is a huge country, and we're talking specifically about Rio de Janeiro. Let's move on to the next place, uh, Argentina, where you're currently located and run through uh, a similar checklist of budget, healthcare, the help. And we, we didn't talk about language with Brazil, but is it pretty easy to get around with just English? No, you, you definitely want to speak some Portuguese, but if you have any Spanish under your belt, which a lot of people do, you can, you can make it through. So in Argentina, are you guys going around speaking Spanish or are, are you speaking English primarily? Uh, Spanish. Yep. What we found is that in Argentina, and, and we sought this out a bit, when we first moved to Argentina, we had a pediatrician for the kids that spoke only Spanish. And what that meant is that there were little nuances that got lost in translation. So when we moved to Buenos Aires, we were originally living in Mendoza. Um, and when we moved to Buenos Aires, we actually sought out someone that spoke both Spanish and English. 
I would say overall, though, with Argentina, Buenos Aires specifically, it's it's for us been a great place to raise kids. They're very child friendly. Yeah. Um, Lots of parks. You know, the people are very nice and friendly to kids. They've got this great little thing in Argentina that they call the jardines, which is kind of like preschool in the U.S., um, but it's like this, you know, every little kid goes to this jardin every morning for four hours. It's basically, they, they just, you know, structure it in such a way that they just put all these, you know, it's like painting and dancing and art and music. And I mean, it really, they really take a lot of time making sure that these activities are, are fun and well-structured for the kids. So the kids look forward to it. For example, when we were looking in London at, at daycare, you know, my most vivid memory is like seeing people like the, the daycare helpers kind of sitting on the floor and watching the kids and trying to, you know, sneak in text messages as they were going through and angling for a smoke break. <laughs> so would it be possible to live on like a 1500 to $2,500 a month in a place like BA or, or has that ship sailed? No, I think you could 2500 you could probably do it. I don't know about 1500 but yeah, you know, if you live a little bit further yeah, in Barrio Norte or something like that, you could probably get an apartment, like two, three bedroom apartment for you know, 500, 700 a month, that kind of thing. And my sense is as we go down the list here in South America to maybe the, the lower cost locations, at, at places like Brazil and Argentina, you're probably going to have a bit of a different peer group. Um, what has it been like making friends uh, in places like Argentina? You know, there's tons of expats here in Argentina. So we've definitely um, had a chance to meet a lot of people that are, are, are like-minded. So they're, you know, kind of working in similar jobs and, you know, maybe over here for a year or two. Um, mm-hmm. people are friendly. It's pretty easy to make friends. I think especially when you get into the bigger cities where they're used to having people come and go. We had a bit of a harder time in Mendoza where um, it was a, a very small town and people just had the kind of a full life that was already structured and set up and it was hard to integrate in. Whereas in some of the bigger cities, it's it's much easier to to make friends, meet people and um, and, and just become kind of part of people's lifestyle because they're more used to that. So let's talk about Nicaragua. What's your experience there, and what could somebody live for there with a family? Yeah, we absolutely love the country. Uh, the cost of living there is still very low, and from what I hear anecdotally, uh, if you're on the ground, you can rent places pretty cheap. I think there's been a big housing boom there, and with the bust in the U.S. economy, uh, there's a lot of places that are vacant. So my understanding is there's a lot of possibility to rent a nice place for you know, a couple hundred dollars a month. This is pre-little guys. Carrie, would you feel comfortable raising children in a place like Nicaragua with the infrastructure there? You know, we looked at it actually. We were Instead of BA, we were planning on going to Nicaragua. And where we got stuck is that they do have some, some really nice hospitals there. And so the infrastructure from a healthcare perspective is definitely improving. But it's not improving very close to a lot of the appealing places to live. So in Nicaragua, if you're willing to live in Managua, then I think you basically have U.S. standard um, health care, or some would say better. But we didn't want to live in Managua. We wanted to live in a little town on the beach, and that's where it's still not, um, not up to par. So let's talk Costa Rica. Costa Rica is more expensive than Nicaragua, and you're getting a very similar thing. You know, we did a semester of business school in Costa Rica. Between the two, I would probably go Nicaragua. Costa Rica has more of an infrastructure, but it also therefore feels much more um, like it's been Americanized. And I think that Nicaragua is still, you know, it obviously depends on what you're looking for. But Nicaragua is, is a bit further behind in terms of that, which is, is nice um, in a lot of ways. 
but seems to have a lot of the the same benefits from a healthcare perspective as, as Costa Rica has. So might be more appealing for families. And the final one on our list is Uruguay. Uruguay was one of our first uh, stop-off places when uh, when we left London. And uh, we really priced it out, checked out all the schools, hospitals, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think at the time the budget we had set for there was you know between three thousand and forty five hundred a month, uh, and that was for a nice place, local health insurance, uh, nice Hardeen, like little school for Timmy, you know, travel budget to fly back to the U.S. a couple times a year, that sort of thing. The one thing to note in Uruguay is it seems a lot harder to get domestic help than a lot of other South American countries. So um, if you're going there and you have a family and you just you need someone to do the cooking, cleaning, you know, helping with kids here and there, it, it felt to me like there were a lot more barriers to that. Um, and, and so it didn't work for us quite as well from that perspective, particularly. All right. So if you've stuck around, by the way, I love this episode because I'm just, I'm, I'm loving this stuff. It's all new information to me too. And so, and you guys get to do all the work, which is fantastic. There's two locations that we were asked about, which is Ecuador and Panama. Um, and we don't really have personal experience there, but um, I have heard quite a few anecdotal things about these places that, you know, although they're sold on the internet as high quality retirement destinations, um, they're a little bit seedier than maybe what you're looking for to bring a family. What I've read about Panama is that a lot of the Colombian drug money went into Panama to uh, push up all the property prices, you know, to try and legitimize that money. So I don't know what that means for the country as a whole, but. I would imagine if, if those are the people buying the properties there, it might be a little on the dodgy side. We're going to move on to Asia, which is generally more what we talk about uh, on Tropical Talk Radio. I'm, I'm curious if you guys have any general overall ideas about, you know, you've lived in a lot of places in Asia and a lot of places in South America. We've got these threads on the D.C. sort of comparing them. I know it's an absurd idea, but do you have any overall ideas Um about how you would compare them in general. And I'll just tell you one story. And I'm going to bury this in the middle of the podcast. I never had the balls to write it. But uh, I think I told you this one time, Dave. You can tell the difference between a single guy who lives in South America versus Southeast Asia. If you say, dude, what's the craziest thing that's happened to you in the last six months? And if it has to do with violence or theft, he lives in South America. And if it has anything to do with sex or ladyboys, it has to do – he lives in Southeast Asia. <laughs> so do you guys have this overall comparison? I mean it, there are rumors that Asia is a lot – cheaper, for example. Do you think that that's true in general? Yeah, I think there's places in Asia that are much cheaper. Uh, you know, like you look somewhere like Bali and, you know, we never felt threatened or unsafe in Bali or anywhere in Latin America, to be honest. Uh, but I think if you're trying to make your money stretch, uh, Asia is probably a little bit better than Latin America. The thing to keep in mind, though, for us, when we looked at budgets between, say, Argentina and Bali, is that if you want to be, well, there, there's always the multiple filters. So there's always the filter of where you can run your business from. And that was that was obviously, you know, played into the internet factor played in, in quite a bit. But um, if you want to be flying back to the U.S. quite a bit to see family and such, which you probably will do more if you have little guys that, you know, need to see grandparents and family members. If you're from um, from the U.S., actually the flights back and forth end up being expensive enough that it, it sometimes makes up for the lower cost of living in those places, or at least that's what we found. And that's a great thing to, to bring up is that that's often the hidden cost here. It's like, oh, yeah, it's $1,500 a month to baseline in Chiang Mai. Well, you know, how, be honest with yourself about whether you're going to be filling in that cost advantage with long-haul business class flights back to 
wherever grandma is. This is definitely going to be the longest tropical talk radio of all time. And I think it's awesome because people that are sticking around this long are they're, they're in it to win it, and they're probably making plans like this. So let's keep bringing it. Let's do some Southeast Asia locations. Um, Brandon, who called in, asked me about the Philippines, and people bring up Cebu all the time because it's really well represented on the internet, and there's a lot of prominent uh, business people there. But I got to say from my own experience, so I think the biggest problem with moving to the Philippines is peer group. Um, people just don't tend to last long. I've seen it work where people want to go set up a business in Cebu, they hang out there for two or three months with the family, sort of get a gated apartment complex, and then they buzz out of there to maybe a neighboring place like Vietnam or Bali and then – or back to their home country. So that's just to say I, I would with confidence, Brandon, say strike the Philippines off your list for your Western family. The problem is is that it's cowboy country and that's like fun for – entrepreneurs. It's fun for single people that want to go there and like make their way in the world. But your family who's in tow, their lifestyle will go down. Not like these other places that we're talking about where they're going to have, you know, better lifestyle. So I don't want to bag on the Philippines too bad, but but it is a weird experience. Like, you know, you go to a restaurant in Bali and there's a couple other families sitting at the table. You just won't have that experience in the Philippines. You will not see another Western family. Let us know about your experience. Uh, last year, you guys went up to Chiang Mai. I remember hearing about the trip. What did you experience there? I think uh, Thailand, where it really stands out for us, because a lot of our most recent experience was around this, was the, the healthcare. So, you know, the hospitals in Thailand, it, it's like, you know, you're going to, you know, a four-star hotel and they happen to be treating you for something. So just by way of background, when we went to Thailand, we took the train from uh, Bangkok up to Chiang Mai and or maybe we took the train from Chiang Mai down to Bangkok and Timmy got uh, sick. He got pneumonia while we were there. So instead right. of spending an extra week in Bangkok, uh, we spent an extra week in a hospital in Bangkok. But actually, wow. that was one of those experiences, I have to admit, that validated for me that it was totally possible to do this with kids because it's like your worst you know, the worst thing you can think of happens. You're literally, you've got like a backpack with you, a kid, you don't have any idea where you are. And it actually turns into something that, you know, Timmy talks about how in the hospital in, um, in Thailand, they, they had like these little cars that had IVs hooked up to them. So like when you went from one appointment to the other, you sat in this little plastic <laughs> car. It was a good thing in the end. I mean, it was, it, yeah, it's really strange, but there was a big crane next to the hospital, so all the kids were like in the little playground in the hospital watching this crane build buildings and stuff like that. Yeah. But no, I think Thailand, that's a big thing. I mean, you know, one of the <clears> things <throat> with Asia, with um, with Bali particularly, that was real frustrating was um, around the lack of healthcare, and you just don't have to worry about that at all in Thailand. Um, so right. you've got the, the advantages of, um, you know, the, the low cost of living in Thailand. People are super friendly with kids. Um, as well as, you know, the fact that the healthcare is world class. So, you know, if you wanted to do 1500 bucks a month in Thailand, it's definitely doable. But, it, you know, it would be living a little bit more local style and being sort of that gritty baseliner, um, which especially people that are just doing this for the first time, moving their families overseas, you're probably looking at more like 2500 bucks a month for like sort of the nice furnished home and uh, some assistance and stuff like that. So, that's sort of the budget range that I'm seeing in Thailand. Now, Bangkok is obviously going to be more than that, um, but I don't think a lot of families are going to want to rock out the Thailand. Maybe maybe Phuket and Chiang Mai would be the two places to look, maybe Hua Hin, places like that in Thailand. Um, let's talk about Vietnam. You guys buzzed over to Vietnam, looked into it a little bit. What do you think? You know, we looked into, um, into staying in Ho Chi Minh City and actually having our, our second kid there. 
And so we actually researched the hospitals. We researched, you know, all the apartments. We researched schools. We did everything. And if it weren't for the fact that it was just, you know, we were sort of looking for a bit of time in South America, that would have been a, a great great destination so and then you know if i remember correctly we were looking at like service departments and you know like a two-bedroom service department in a building that had like its own private movie theater and all this kind of stuff you know it was like 1500 bucks a month for that which probably means that you know if you want to get a lower end place you know if you're baselining or something like that you can probably get something for i would guess you know 500 to a thousand bucks pretty easily Yes. And all the infrastructure would be right here. So you could, I mean, it, it might be one of the cheaper places if you want to have ready access to the hospitals and, and all the things that you need, like international schools, if that's on the radar for you, for you. But yeah, absolutely. You could pull that off and then you would be a relatively short bus ride or hired car to the beaches of Monet, or you would be a 45 minute flight to Fukuok. So if you wanted to get out of town, and uh, have that resort experience, you could probably do the whole shebang for less than $2,500 a month. Well, let's talk about your experience in Bali uh, to, to cap off the episode because that's where we met and you guys had a, a beautiful home there and it seems like a really nice lifestyle. Tell us about that experience and what it cost you. We loved living in Bali. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. And we'll still go back. Our plan is to spend a couple months each year there and a couple months here. Um, the, the thing that kills you in Bali is that there is no healthcare. There's just no infrastructure there. So if you get, I mean, if you get malaria, then they know how to cover that. But I looked into having a baby there. And if, if I was okay to, to basically have the baby at home on the kitchen floor, we were, we were good to go. But anything other than that was just a lot more challenging. They didn't have a sonogram machine on the entire island. Three million people live on the island and they don't have a single sonogram machine. I've heard that that's changing. So I did have experience with this because I had a friend with a not a medical emergency but needed a pretty in-depth procedure. And so I went along for the whole thing. And and Siloam or Siloam, which is a company that owns many reputable hospitals in Indonesia, opened up a branch in Bali, um, which is on the main Sunset Road and has really good facilities. Um, also, they have a branch in Jakarta. So that would really probably be what would end up happening for a non-emergency situation would be to get on that 40-minute flight to Jakarta. And then they have excellent hospitals in Jakarta. But the schools, outstanding. Some of the best schools yeah. we've ever seen, um, both for little guys, like, you know, little uh, preschool type things, as well as some of the, you know, all the way through high school type schools. International school, you know, the green school, those kind of places. Yeah, those are amazing. And I think... <clears throat> You know, when you picture a, a happy family and a happy kind of little kid, you just almost always what comes to mind is someone sitting on the beach, right? So sitting on the beach playing, and then you imagine kind of the parents being happy, and it's it's a similar thing. And in Bali, you basically had that as sort of your day-to-day. There is sort of a scene for it in Bali, too. I mean, there are a lot of families there, which I think is, is something that's nice about the vibe there as well. Especially you guys were living in Sunur, which is famous for the sort of safe beach area, not too many waves and lots of families hanging out there. How much did your beautiful villa and the, the nannies and all that run you about a month in Bali? The rent was a little expensive, but you know we uh, I think we were paying eleven hundred dollars a month. But we were you know a five minute walk to the beach and you know seven minute walk to Timmy's school. So the location was pretty fabulous. Uh, we had our own pool. We had air conditioning. We had cable TV. We had internet. Like. All that kind of stuff. Babysitters, uh, you know, you could get somebody full time to be there six days a week, and it was like one hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars a month. 
Um, so yes. you can't beat that. <laughs> uh, it's tough to beat Sonur for kids, to be honest. Like very few places that I've been. And I mean, maybe like there's places in Thailand like Phuket where you could have a similar kind of vibe. But definitely families thinking about Bali if you got $3,000 a month to spend. Okay, good. The earbuds are rest. It's uh, Dave and Kerry from greenbacktaxservices.com. If you do make that move overseas, be sure to uh, hit them up to uh, do your taxes. And you guys are, I'm assuming, available for any questions. What's the best way to get in touch with you guys? C. McKeegan at greenbacktaxservices.com or D. McKeegan at greenbacktaxservices.com. And we're happy to answer any questions tax-related, but also you know, any of these uh, destinations or moving with kids as well because we know how hard it is to just weed through all of the information and, and, and kind of figure out what you want to do. I really appreciate that, guys. Uh, I'm sure that means a lot to the people who will be bombarding you with questions. That's <laughs> no, fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge on uh, Tropical Talk Radio, and uh, we'll have you back soon. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan. <laughs>